Hey, it's Scott Petrak with another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. The Browns saved their season, at least temporarily, with a 32-13 win over the Bengals on Monday night. They hit the bye week at 3-5. and five. General Manager Andrew Barry stood pat at the trade deadline, and Deshaun Watson, Watson is scheduled to return after missing three more games. Here to discuss it all with me is Dave Chodowski of Go, the WKYC Morning News. What's going on, Chud? Scott, I'll tell you, there's nothing better than a win going into the bye, right? I mean, we've seen it plenty of times where it's the other way around. That The good feelings on a win on bye week is just fantastic. No, there's no doubt, Chud. And to me, it really changed the whole landscape of the, of this week and next week, too, you know, before they traveled down to Miami to play the Dolphins. If, if they went in the bye two and six, the odds of them making the playoffs – would be next to nothing, right? And at three and five, they're not great, but there's hope. And on top of that, not only is there hope mathematically, just a difference between three and five and two and six, you have the hope from the way that the Browns played. Andrew Barry, the GM, said it when we talked to him Wednesday. That's the best game they played, and it kind of it gives you promise that the team can t- can continue to play like that. And it was the most complete performance of the first half of the season. So it uh, to me it goes beyond a win, and then on top of that, if they were two and six and had lost five straight games, we'd be talking about would Mike Prefer be fired, um, would Joe Woods be fired? I mean, those are the kind of conversations that come up when you have this long layoff and you're on a long losing streak. So I, I think yeah. it's huge that they got that win. Yeah, it's the the difference of winning and losing. It's it is so great in the NFL. And- the other thing, too, is it's, you know, you're not in a division with the Eagles, with an undefeated team. You're not in a division where you're four games back. So while three and five isn't sexy, you know, it's it's in the division they're in. While it's a tough division and they have so many division games left still, too. I mean, you, you know, that, that that's important. There's not a team running away with it. So uh, yeah, same with know, the wild card, right? I mean, the wild card, yeah. I think, is a bunch of four and four teams. So, yeah, you're 100 percent right, Chad. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, though, I mean, was was that the Browns or was that a, a team dressing up on Halloween? Was yeah. that, a, you know, was yeah. that a, was that a team dressing up on Halloween? I, that's the yeah. team we expected to see all year. And boy, I mean, you and I did not see that coming. I mean, we didn't. No, I, I thought about changing my pick to a Browns win. Just, you know, you had the chase injury for the Bengals. Clowney came back for the Browns. Like, you know, I, I thought about it, and it also was the Browns were so desperate, right? They needed this win. It felt like maybe their last stand even, right? It, on Monday night in front of the whole world watching football. Um, I thought about changing it, but like we talk about all the time, four straight losses, you see all the flaws. Cincinnati had been playing well. I, I just didn't have the trust to go ahead and pick the Browns, even though I really thought about it. But even if I had picked them, I sure as heck wasn't going to pick them to dominate the way they did. And, you know, I think part of it is the matchup. And, you know, Joe Burrow is not going to go win this against the Browns. At some point, he's going to beat the Browns. Um, but for right now, the Browns have his number, and a lot of that is pass rush and yeah. pressure. And they're able to make him uncomfortable in the pocket, taking advantage of their offensive line. Um, that's a big part of it. And then, you know, the Browns were successful on offense. After a slow start, uh, they protected the ball. For the most part, after you know they had the one Jacoby Brissett fumble, but they ran it well enough, and Jacoby Brissett had another good game throwing the ball. Yeah, well, hey, listen, you know we both predicted 
the Bengals to win, but we, we only did it by three points. And, you know, we didn't, we, we did give a recipe to how the Browns could win. And, and, and that's kind of what they did. We just didn't think it would happen. I think we're both four and four in our picks now. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I didn't really realize how much chase being out would affect them because they were so hot and because Burrow has been so good. So, you know, I, I was, you know, I wasn't going to change it just for the fact of I needed to see them win again before I was going to pick them. So I stood by that. And also because I just thought Burrow was so hot, but what I didn't take enough consideration is, and you already mentioned it is now Burrow is own four against the Browns. And that's something I'm going to think about now. Every time these two teams play now, the Bengals have to prove to me that they can beat the Browns right now. The Browns have their number. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Chad. And I and I wasn't really buying that. Um, I wasn't buying that heading into Monday night. I knew he was 0-3, but it felt like, you know, he could have won a couple of those games, uh, or at least one of them. The one in Cincinnati where ben- Baker had the great comeback. The thurs- the original Thursday night was like his second game in the league. Now, you could explain away the 0-3 pretty easily, I felt. Uh, but you add one more in his third season, coming off a Super Bowl appearance, and it feels more real to me, right? Like, it feels like it's something. Uh, so I, I completely agree with you there. Yeah. The place was rocking? Yeah, it, it was cool. The atmosphere was cool. You know, a lot of people dressed up as Halloween, and I'm not a big Halloween guy. And I know whether it's a TV thing or not, Chad, I know you are because I've seen the videos. Um, well, I'm not a huge <laughs> Halloween guy, but I know Cleveland is, and the city in Northeast Ohio is ready to celebrate Halloween because – you know, I went. I came home and I watched the uh, Manicast broadcast. And you know, every time they come out of commercial, it's people in costumes at the stadium. Yeah, that that what, what a night! I mean, it, that was just a, a fantastic night. And, you know, really, the defense just you know we have hit it so hard on this podcast. But that the defense to me was you know Nick Chubb's great, and, right. and you're not surprised when he dominates. But what was it? Five sacks. Yeah. Just the way that the way that the defense just controlled the game was so impressive. Hey, there's no doubt. And you know, I'm actually posting a a story about Sione Takitaki um, as we're doing this, and he played really well. And Kevin Stefanski talked about the individual efforts. Miles Garrett with the second half set the tone early. Not only did it have the second half, he deflects the ball that leads to that first interception. And sets a great tone for the game. And then you have Sione Takitaki, who played an extended role. And he's mostly, he's usually the strong side linebacker. Only plays in the base package. They get him off the field if they think teams are going to throw the ball. If he's got to make plays in space. But with the injuries they had at linebacker, he played a bunch. And he was on the field for, even in those nickel situations. And was all over the place. Had 13 tackles. Had a strip sack of Burrow. Uh, tackle for loss so he played really well and the point what I'm trying to get to is I asked him the other day does this feel like any kind of vindication for Joe Woods right we've talked about Joe Woods a lot and he's been criticized a lot and Sione Takitaki said yes the last two weeks a better performance in Baltimore you know in that loss to the Ravens and then in the win over Cincinnati he feels like that is some vindication for Joe Woods, that this defense has figured some things out. He said Joe Woods called a great game plan, and I think it's interesting. And, you know, it could go sideways coming out of the bye. But for now, 
it feels like for the second straight year, Joe Woods has figured something out and the defense is playing much better. Over on the offensive side of the ball, you would have thought that the, you know, the tight ends would be more involved yeah. with catching passes, but you know, again, it was the, the, you know, the Chubb show. I mean, incredible. Kareem Hunt got involved. Uh, you know, uh, Amari Cooper, just a, it was a well-oiled machine offensively as well. It, it really was. And I'm glad you brought up the tight ends. To me, it's, it's noteworthy. Kevin Stefanski admitted this. He can't remember the last time, if ever, that his tight ends didn't have any targets, right? I mean, he didn't go into history, but he said, yeah, it's unusual. They weren't targeted at all. And they played a bunch. It was Harrison Bryant and Farrell Brown. You had Michael Dunn, the extra offensive lineman, played some third tight end. Even Miller Forrestal Stahl got a couple of snaps off the practice squad. But so it's interesting that the tight ends didn't get targeted. But on top of that, I think it does show you how important David Njoku is. Because if David Njoku were out there, he would have been targeted. Because he's having that type of season. Uh, but he wasn't. So the Browns, Kevin Stefanski, or Jacoby Brissett, looked for other ways, other people, to move the ball in the passing game. And a lot of that went to Amari Cooper. And Amari Cooper played really well. And he had the touchdown. He had a long 53-yarder. You know, he had the terrible interception that on that trick play that he called an abomination. But he played well. But my point is Kevin Stefanski is trying – is able to find a way to get his best players the ball. Not all the time, and I know all the Chubb and Hunt arguments. But even without his number two target in the passing game in David Njoku, Kevin Stefanski was able to design plays that got Amari Cooper the ball, even though the Bengals had to be focused on stopping him. And I know the Bengals were down some corners. And Jacoby Brissett had another big game, right? So my point is Kevin Stefanski's scheme is able to get guys open. And I think when we focus on some of the minutia, right, this play call, that play call, we lose sight of the fact that his scheme is solid overall. Yeah, it makes you uh, wonder what it could be like when Deshaun Watson yeah. comes back, you know? It does. It does. And you can't, you know, I've been trying not to focus on that because of the season and, you know, right, we got all these games until Deshaun Watson comes back. But now you can kind of see, you can see it coming, right? It's three yeah. games away. He's, he's able to start practicing on November 14th. We'll be able to see him on the field, which we haven't seen since he left the building on August 30th. Came back in the building October 10th, but he can't practice yet. So, yeah, you can see that, right? And when we talk, you know, possibility of the playoffs, it's always with, okay, well, Deshaun Watson comes back for the last six games, so what does that mean, right? Where do the Browns have to be? And we talked about this before the season, Chuck. I thought they needed to be six and five. Now, that's not – that feels really unlikely that they're going to go – I mean, they got Buffalo, right? Buffalo is probably the best team in the NFL, and they have Buffalo on the road. But if they can get the five games, which means they – have to win two out of Miami, Tampa, Buffalo, which isn't impossible. If they could win two of those and get to five and six when Watson comes back, you know, then it gives you – then there's a chance. Five and one, I think, gets you in then. I think ten and seven gets into the playoffs. And nine and eight, you probably have tiebreakers, or you might be able to have tiebreakers, right, if he could go four and two. And the schedule looks a little easier at the end. Pittsburgh's not playing like I thought they would. So when I talk about the hope and the math, that's part of it, right? But, and I, I don't want to go too long, it is Jacoby Brissett has played 
way better than I thought and has given them a chance to win a bunch of games, and he did again Monday night. You think they can win two out of the next three? Yeah, I do. You know, I haven't, I haven't studied Miami enough. I've seen bits and pieces of them. I don't know if I've seen a full game yet. I know Tua is back, and I know his numbers are out of this world. I know Mike McDaniel, the new coach, is a great um, schemer, right? Great offensive designer. He came from Kyle Shanahan and Mike Shanahan. He was here as a receiver coach when Shanahan was the OC here. So Miami's a good team. I think they're flawed. I don't think they're perfect, right? They were losing a, by a bunch at the or to Detroit last week. Um, it's going to be hard. I don't know what the line will be, but I would guess the Browns are a touchdown underdog. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's winnable. I mean, Tampa Bay at the beginning of the season, I would have said no way, but they're really struggling. So you hope that struggle continues until, you know, the Browns face them. And then Buffalo is really hard. So I would say it's unlikely the Browns go two and one, but not impossible, you know. And even if they were four and seven, you know, that's that's a huge uphill climb for Deshaun Watson, especially when he hasn't played in 700 days. But it wouldn't be over at four and seven if, if you know, Jacoby Brissett turns it over to him at four and seven. Isn't it funny, the narrative we talked about last time with how we analyze games, think about if they lost, we would be like, what were they doing on the Cooper pass yeah, sure. and the block field goal and all that other, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's yeah, just, for sure. It's nice. It's nice. We don't have to break that down. Oh, there's no doubt. And that was, yeah, I mean, that was, you know, I understand why you call trick plays um, and maybe, you know, and he said he was trying to throw it away. He knew the guy wasn't open. He was trying to throw it away. He didn't know how hard it was to throw the ball away. The guy was pressuring him. You know, he doesn't have his feet set, and he just can't get the ball out of bounds. Um, but you're right. Like, the tone of it would have completely different because he's laughing about it after the game. I mean, he called it an abomination. He said he's never going to throw one again. Jacoby said we're taking it out of the playbook. But, you know, if the Bengals had played better, the Browns had played worse, and all of a sudden it's a close game, that's exactly – you're pointing to that. You're pointing to – Brissett's bad turnover. You're pointing to Cade York getting another field goal block. Instead, you're focusing on the win, on the good stuff, and the fact that Cade York rebounded and smashed a 55-yard field goal to end the first half after his pre previous two kicks have been blocked. Yeah. I didn't touch on this last week. I, I, I We both forgot, or at least I forgot. I don't know. But was there anything to the – after the last loss, they had a – a yelling uh, um, match in the locker room. Was that, is that substantial? Is that confirmed Did that happened? Well, yeah, I mean, I was sitting right outside the locker room. So yeah, it happened. I could hear it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. yeah I mean, I, I was told it was more lo louder than normal. Right. But not unusual for guys to let off steam. Right. And yell after, after losses. But I think this, what went up a notch, uh, to me, it was about do, do they stick together, right? Can this be a dividing line? Because there was talk, you know, the, the one line you could kind of hear was a line about leadership. We don't have any leadership. I'm paraphrasing. Um, but the fact that they stuck together and played as well as they did and put in as much effort and all that, not that they don't play hard all the time, but there was a, hey, this is the bye week. We're going to do everything we can heading into the bye. I think that was significant. And I think this type of win after a four-game losing streak can really galvanize a team because Jacoby Brissett talked about it. Kevin Stefanski talked about it. 
if you come out the other side of hard stuff, and you know, I don't know exactly how they phrase it, but we knew stuff was going to be hard. You get to the other side, then it's really, it feels better and it feels like it was earned. And there's some sentiment of that in the Browns team right now. Yeah. So we got about eight minutes left here, Scott. So let's divide it up in half here, four minutes on each. Uh, you know, let's move on from the game now, and we don't have a game to break down. We can yep. do that next week with the bye. Uh, let's just hit the trade deadline. Yeah. Uh, both of us didn't like the idea of Cream Hunt being traded for a, a fourth or fifth round pick, really. And, uh, you know, they there was a lot of talk about, you know, he possibly could get traded. Bottom line, they didn't, they didn't make any deals. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the trade deadline? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I didn't think they should trade. Um, Kareem Hunt, just give him away. And I think that's what they probably would have done. So I believe that was the right move by Andrew Barry. Uh, Greedy Williams, he was another candidate. You know, you don't know about Denzel Ward. He's still in that concussion protocol uh, when he's going to come back. So maybe that's why they kept Greedy Williams. They value, you know, I mean, he played as a third corner the other day and actually he fought through illness. He started the game, left, sat on the sideline. A.J. Green came in and got that pick. But Greedy looked terrible. He's on the sideline. I don't know if he was pouting or sick. And then I talked to him after the game. He said he was sick. Um, and he had been in during the week. But then he played in the second half. So those are the two guys I was focused on, Hunt and Williams. I don't think they got a big enough offer for Hunt for as valuable as he is. And then I think Williams – Williams told me he wanted to stay. And then I think the Denzel Ward lingering concussion is a factor there. This guy, Greedy Williams, is now third on your depth chart. You probably don't want to just give him away, trade him for a fifth or sixth round pick. It's a prime position. That makes sense to me. And then the other nugget is Andrew Barry said he came close to to acquiring a player. And I didn't tell us who it was, but it just shows you he was looking to add. And whether that's for this year or the future, it means it's a, again, it points to that three and five versus two and six. Barry admitted that that played at least a little role in how he approached the deadline. Because he, you know, they have a better chance to go to the playoffs. That goes back to what you opened with about the difference of whether they won or lost that game, and talking about firing people and in that exact type of thing. What you just brought up there, I mean, exactly. that that played a factor. Yeah, yeah. no, no doubt. that that no was doubt. huge. Yeah. The, how about just in the NFL, though? I mean, yeah. geez, we we haven't seen anything like that with all the trades. No, and you know, I always say it. You know, there's all this talk, and then nothing happens. Well, stuff happened this this year. You know, it's probably still not to the to the magnitude of the NBA and MLB trade deadlines, but it was big, right? I think there were ten trades. There's a record for the number of trades. You saw some big names, right? Bradley Chubb gets moved. Uh, Roquan Smith. I don't know if he was right at the deadline, you know, or the, the day before, but there were names that moved, big names that moved. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. And, and, you know, I'm not saying anything anybody doesn't know. We're going to continue to see that, right? I don't think it's going to disappear. I think we're going to see more and more trades at the deadline. Yeah. All right, let's finish it out with uh, Andrew Barry. He spoke with you guys this uh, was it Wednesday, whatever Wednesday. day that was yeah. this week. Wednesday. Um, Wednesday. I'm getting my days all mixed up this week with Monday Night Football and Halloween and all that is just like, what day is it? Oh, thank goodness. It's Friday. We're taping this on Friday. Um, what are the key points out of that? I, I saw, uh, you know, a lot of talk about Stefanski, some injury updates, Watson, the trade deadline. Those seem to be the highlights, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think you hit him. You know, it was 
Watson's going to start when he comes back. Um, he's done everything they've asked him to do and more. I think that was the quote. Uh, you know, he has hopes for the second half, like we talked about. Um, needs more consistency, right? That was his point. Is yeah, if we're going to do what we want to do in the second half, Monday's the template, and then we have to be more consistent doing it. And then the Nuggets were, uh, yeah, we talked about the trade deadline, and then it was Kevin Stefanski, you know, and I, re- you know, I kind of re- referenced it earlier, and we've talked about it, and it's a, you know, it's a hot button issue, right? When the Browns don't play well, it's Kevin Stefanski's a play caller. It's should he be focusing more on game management? And Barry said, I think it, the quote was something like, "We have more belief in him now than we did when we hired him, and we think he does a good job." Colin plays and is a game manager and that he appreciates the Kevin Stefanski appreciates the magnitude of those roles, right? In each role individually. So you're not going to have a change there, but it was a, it wasn't a vote of confidence, right? The vote of confidence is when the guy's in trouble. This was just a strong show of support for their head coach. How about um, injuries? Uh, you know, anything that we need to really keep our eyes on here before we uh, talk again next week? Well, that's the that is part of the bye week is you get that extra time. So there's hope. Uh, you know, Andrew Barry brought it up a couple times. The the hope for guys getting healthy during the bye. I you know that starts with Denzel Ward, but he wasn't committing to that he's going to come back from the concussion after the bye. He was still in the protocol. Um, you know, you just got to be careful with concussions. You never know, right? So, but guys who you do know about are Wyatt Teller has a chance to come back from that calf strain. David Njoku, who is in a walking boot at the game Monday, but now he gets two weeks. Um, it's a high ankle, so I, there's no guarantee he comes back against Miami, but, you ho- you know, he'll be farther along or further along, obviously. Um, and then JOK missed the game with the knee. He's the other big one to watch. Jadavion Clowney, Miles Garrett. That's more time for them to recover from these lingering issues. You get should get Jerome Ford, the rookie running back, back off of IR, and he should return kickoffs again. So, yeah, you know, it's just an overall health. And, you know, I mentioned the key guys, and I wouldn't underestimate how important this could be for Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney and how important they are to this team, and we saw that against the Bengals. And I think there's a chance for Miles Garrett to have a big second half. He said before – it was before this Bengals game that – He's not close to 100%, and he's you know he feels better every day. Hopefully the bye will help. And, and I just think he's playing so well that if he's even healthier, then you could see him have a huge second half. I'm going to finish on this. That was an impressive win, and I hope to see more of it. And I don't want to be, you know, Debbie Downer here. But, yeah. you know, we – I, we, we've, we've seen Lucy, Charlie Brown, the football. They've done this to us before. Yeah. I, I need to see more of it, though, Scott, before I uh, totally am convinced that they can do this uh, more often than not. No, that's a completely fair statement. It's any given Sunday or Monday, right? Teams come out and play well, and then they don't. And it's, that, it's going back to Andrew Barry's comment about consistency. That's what matters. That's what's going to separate teams. But I would say the hope is – your offense has played well for the vast majority of the season. And if your defense has figured something out the last two weeks, and it's premature to say it's figured it out, but it's played a lot better the last two weeks against two good offenses and two different offenses, you know, a great quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow. If your defense is able to build on that and stay at that level, 
then you have a chance to make a run. All right. That's it for me. Have a great bye week. Uh, uh, enjoy the weekend. You, you can uh, watch some football or enjoy this. What it's gonna be seventy three degrees. It's gonna be unbelievable. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go play golf as soon as we're done with this, Chud. And then uh, <laughs> I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch my Northwestern Wildcats lose by fifty to Ohio State. Oh, uh, okay. And uh, maybe watch some football. But, but before we go, I do want to just get this quote from Barry right about Stefanski. Our belief in Kevin Stefan- in Kevin is as strong as the day that we hired him. Smart servant leader. He's creative. He knows. He has ability to lead our team to wins, and we feel really good. We feel like the locker room's in good hands. We know he pushes our guys, and we're looking forward to playing good football in the second half of the season. So that's a really strong endorsement. I just wanted to get that quote right because uh, it felt like I butchered it a little bit. So, Chud, yeah, no, I got good. a tea time. Um, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. We will reconvene next week to talk about the Dolphins game and the second half of the season. Um, do you got anything else? No, I'm ready. I'm ready for this uh, nice warm weather in the weekend, my friend, for sure. <laughs> so, so thank you, Chud. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. And you can read all my work at brownzone.com. Thanks so much.